Hi, I'm John Murray, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and thank you very much for voting for us. The voting is now closed for the Football Content Awards, so fingers crossed... Uh, we'll be going down to the awards anyway and see if we can maybe, well, have a few drinks if nothing else. Joining me this week to look over another action-packed week in the National League it is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. And also joining us, it is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Hi, Chris. So we're going to start at the top of the table and with the late game that was on BT Sport and it was Dagenham and Redbridge. They went back top after they beat Kings Lynn in what was a hard-fought game. It was a, a tight cagey first half but eventually they did get the job done didn't they Dagen and Rebbage and I know Darryl McMahon was was really happy and quite also really sort of praising of Kings Lynn as well yeah he was he was uh he was wasn't he at the end of that game and and what I think is quite significant about that game is we've talked about Dagen and Rebbage how well they've done recently um the type of football they're playing maybe it's a bit overdue maybe we should have saw this last season but this is um under the cameras this time. They were watched. Everyone else will have been looking out, seeing what all the fuss is about. And they passed that test. And um, let's face it, the goal at the end was no more than a consolation for Kings Lynn. Tricky place to go and test passed. Bournemouth went down to Bromwood, home of Emma Raducanu, the US Open champion. Congratulations to her. They couldn't serve up any aces out against Bournemouth. It was Bournemouth who held all the cards in the end, and although they conceded their first goals of the season, it was another good win for Luke Garrard's men. Amazing start to the season, and uh, and what he'd have dreamt really, he, he'd have known that you can't. You know, I remember looking yesterday and thinking, well, nil nil, half time. That's four and a half games. Boreham would have gone without conceding, and Luke's not stupid. He'd have known that eventually they were going to concede. But how refreshing for him that on the day that they finally did concede two, they scored three. Uh, way to go, Boreham Wood. Yeah, I've seen Kabongo. Who isn't it, Chris? As well. Yeah, yeah. Who? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I've just seen his post-match interview actually, and he is absolutely delighted. He looks even more delighted than after a um, after a game where they've kept a clean sheet. Because again, we talked about a test for for Dagenham Redbridge earlier. That's a test for for uh, for Boreham Wood as well because Bromley. Did serve a couple of aces, didn't they? Because they, they breached the defence and they, they scored two goals. The topsy-turvy game, they scored in, in the last minute. And, um, yeah, I just wonder whether Andy Woodman was thinking of his son facing Ronaldo <laughs> about the same time as uh, as he was playing as well. But, uh, yeah, um, so far, so good for Boreham Wood and um, level with uh, Duggan and Rebridge at the top of the table. It's two draws in a row now for Chesterfield as well. They'll be, they'll feel like that's a missed opportunity, won't they? He went down to Dover, only drew nil-nil. Dover finally off the mark, but James Roll will be really disappointed, won't he? Yes, but he'll have been reminded by the famous Gary Waddock words that he had ushered in his ear for the best part of two seasons. Never underestimate a point away from home. Truthfully, I don't know the story of that match, just the scoreline. Uh, and I think we need to flip it really and say for Dover, the first point off the minus 12, it will have felt massive to them. That will have felt like a win yesterday uh, down at Dover because they've got things up and running and they've done it against a very, very good 
um, you know, title chase inside. And uh, yeah, James Rowe will know that, um, that uh, it's not what he wanted yesterday. It would have been one of those on his little targets that he set himself and his team. It would have definitely been a three points. But as long as you get the points over the course of the season, it doesn't matter where they come. The fact they showed about ten seconds of highlights on the on the uh, on BT Sport last night probably sums up the game really. Uh, we're moving on then into fourth place, move Grimsby, and they were described as quietly going about the business, and that's probably right really because we've not really talked about them much. But that's three wins out of four for them. The only draw was that nil nil draw at Stockport County. David had another thriller, but it was another home shocker as well for Torquay. A three one win for Grimsby, but another head scratcher for Gary Johnson. Yeah, I think um, I think just focusing on on Grimsby first. I know that um, when they came down to County, some of the fans were were worried about where goals were going to come from this season, um, and consequently, apart from the the nil nil at Edgeley Park, they've now scored seven goals in the last two games. So goals don't seem like they're going to be a problem. Um, I think that's really important when you're a team that's come down from uh, from the division above. They're now sitting quite nicely in, uh, I think, in the the playoff positions. I know it's early days and we were talking about playoff positions, but that's where you need to be to get your fans on board. You know, sometimes when when teams go down, fans, I mean, no one wants to go down a division, but they're going to go to loads of grounds that they haven't been to for ages. They're going to go to the grounds that they've never been before. And it can be a kind of a, a sort of a party atmosphere, but you need the results to come as well in those first games because essentially when it get when you get about halfway through the season you want to go up and um, at the moment I would say yeah definitely so far so good they would have taken that start to the season and um, yeah look, looking good. Yeah Giles Colt got on the score sheet as well his first goal in seven years and uh, what a belt it was as well. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of fizz on it didn't it? Yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> Notts County a draw for them down at Away Masai, who people maybe underestimate a little bit. I must say, another beautiful free kick from Callum Roberts. It was eyed and needle stuff. And I know Dickie's isn't with us today, but he sort of he was going on about the free kick as well. He said, you've seen it so many times, but it's trying to stop it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's a class act. We spoke to him just a week or so ago, didn't we? And, um, and he's doing it again. And this time for a point. And again, Notts County would have... Uh, been certainly looking for more yesterday, but they will have been respectful of Weymouth's last two games where they'd uh, scored seven goals, I think. And uh, and so they'd have had one eye on uh, keeping a very hungry Weymouth side out, a Weymouth side that almost seems to be playing like it's a free hit this season, which it isn't for them. You know, it was last season. Um, we worked out, of course, didn't we, that they would have stayed up on merit anyway. Mm. But uh, Brian Stock... Um, is a manager you've been impressed with on occasions, particularly when they come up to Stockport, haven't you, uh, Chris? Yeah, really impressed with him. He's uh, very analytical, very thoughtful, and um, I like the way he sets his team up. And, um, you know, I would say that it is a free hit for Weymouth because Weymouth are playing in the in the, prem, the Premier Division of, well, the top division of, of non-league football. And, um you know, they're, they're, they're punching, they're punching above the weight and the plenty Notts County are going down down to Weymouth. So I think the the thing for them and the, the fans is to enjoy it. But no, Brian Stock definitely is uh, he's a very impressive, uh, very impressive guy. And it, it's no surprise to me to see them holding teams like Notts County. Yeah, and it's a really good... Um... After after losing the first two games, everybody would have kind of said, well, it's second season syndrome for them. But 
that's three unbeaten now, two wins and a draw. So yeah, really impressive job so far being done by Brian Stock. Just below Notts County, Yeovil, Chrissy, you saw at Stockport County on Saturday. We'll get on to Stockport County shortly, but Yeovil are another team. I, I tipped them to struggle because there seemed to be a lot of upheaval off the field. The owner, I think, said he wasn't going to put much more money in. He didn't really have a massive squad put together, but he went and did the job at Stockport County, didn't he? They were absolutely excellent. Absolutely, I can't say any. I can't speak any more highly about Yeovil yesterday. They were excellent when they set up. They set up in a four-four-one-one, and it looked to me more like a four-five-one. And I thought they're going to come here. They're going to try and um, sort of frustrate the crowd, keep keep chances, county chances down to a minimum. But it was a really. It was actually ended up being quite an attacking uh, formation. You know, fantastic performances all around the park. You've got Joe Quigley up front who, who causes problems all over the place. Um, uh, Smith was fantastic in net as well all afternoon. And you look at them and you think, that is actually a really good team, a really good squad. Now, you'll hear it in, in a second uh, on the the interview that I did with Darren Stahl. They're a young squad and he's been very measured about it and um, actually let's let's hear from him now you can you can listen to it yourself thank you very much for joining us on the NL full-time podcast now do away days get any better than that no they, they you know they, when you're planning you uh, and obviously you're, you're going into good games and stop or a really good side and Simon's a fantastic manager fantastic coach good guy you know you plan for making sure the game is close, making sure it's competitive uh, and try and ensure that you have moments in the game that may swing it either way. Uh, and when you when you play at better clubs, and this is from my sort of football league um, past, your goalkeeper has to be excellent and your centre-forward has to be informed. If you don't have the t- those two key components, I think um, I think away days, are, especially at places like Stockport, I think they become very, very tough. How important is that first goal then? Um, because to quieten the crowd and you could hear them getting on the backs of the players a little bit. Yeah, I think I think home crowds always react to the home team. I don't think they react to the away team. I'm a big believer of that. When people think you can frustrate crowds, I don't. I don't necessarily. I think they can get frustrated with their team. Um, so I think it was important. I thought the, the moment was coming. We'd we'd kind of come out of the first 15 minutes. Tactically, I thought it was very good, um, and, um, and, and you know we had a moment that presented itself. And listen, games are games are won and lost by hitting the post and going in, or hitting the post and going out. And he took it very well, Charlie. And you mentioned your strikers, Joe Quigley got on the on the board again today with the penalty. You have you've got Adi Yusuf to come off the bench. You calmly slotted home. Three wins out of three as well, so it's going well, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, no. It's important we enjoy. I call them runs of one. I think everyone talks of. Know, Stoppel had an incredible run last year, 18, 19 games. They did so, so well after the, the turnover of uh, the changing manager. Um, and But I don't really believe in that because I think the biggest uh, the biggest disease in runs is complacency. And we're very, very young. So our sort of life experience and our ability to handle that praise or criticism is always going to be quite a fine line. Um, so, you know... Uh, our place in, with this group we call them runs of one and we start again when we're next in okay. when do you start looking at the table because you're in the playoffs now well I, I think the most important thing is goal difference yeah. I think goal difference always gives you an idea of how good you are 
Um, not a massive lover of form, not a massive lover of games played. I'm not great in terms of knowing who we're playing in three or four time. Um, it's just one, one. I mean, for a manager, I know everyone will will, um, will echo the sentiment, but for a manager, if you've gone ten without beating, uh, with ten without losing, and then you lose that eleventh one, that 11, that loss feels exactly the same as if you've lost three or four in a row. It's a, it's an emptiness. So. Runs of one are fine by me. It allows me to sleep to the next game and then maybe develop insomnia for the subsequent uh, uh, days after that. But no, 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 we, we're okay. We've, look, we're a, we're a small, young squad and we have to be very, very, very balanced about how we deal with this moment. Good luck. Look forward to your next runner one. That was Darren Sal and saying uh, that's, they, they lost their opening game and everybody feared for him, but they've won the next three now and... Is it a surprise to you, Rob, that they're up there? Um, a little bit. Not based on what I saw a couple of weeks ago, though. I just think it was a massive, massive result for them when they came to Aldershot on the bank holiday Monday. They'd had adversity on the Saturday before, um, and he was tinkering. He wasn't sure what he wanted, really, with his formation, with his starting eleven, And it clicked for them there. They were worthy of the three points at the EBB. Um and they've kicked on since. And I think for Yeovil, even though there have been times where they've drawn a line after everything with Lee Collins, it did feel a little bit like it was still hanging over them. And uh, maybe the shackles are off now. Maybe they're, you know, they're just starting to go forward again. And credit to Darren Sahl, who, you know, has managed that club through a very, very difficult time. And in some people's eyes, it might have not been good enough, you know, but they have stuck with him. And now, hopefully, he'll be looking to uh, reap the rewards of that. Yeah, and you'll you'll have heard in the in the sort of interview that I did. Then I thought the interesting thing to to come out of that was when he spoke of going on runs of one. I asked him a question about you know that's three in a row now, and um, how does that feel? He got a bit of momentum, and he says runs of one. <laughs> that's what I want. And do you know what? Do you know what, Chris? Runs of one. Darren Sahl's mantra it, it actually is exactly the same, but in different words, Luke Carrard's win the next game, win the next game. And it, it, it's often talked about in football, that mentality of one game at a time. But as you look at all successful teams, that's what they do. Of course, Yeovil beat Stockport County down in 16th, only one win. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of grumblings, isn't there, Chris? Well, I've got to say, I think the discontent from the fans is... It's very understandable, actually. I think the um, from score, from being one 0 up against Dagenham and Redbridge in the first game after ten minutes, and there was a feel good factor, and you know, obviously, County being well supported this season. There's there's people, there's, you know, there's, there's huge amounts of analysts and everything, and I think I think the fans thought that uh, you know this could be the season, and. Consequently, it feels like a, that great big bubble has had a pin put in, in it, and it's beginning to uh, it's beginning to pop, and it's got holes in. And um, it wasn't very good yesterday. And yes, the Ash Palmer did get sent off um, early in the second half. But if I'm honest, hand in heart, do I think it would have made much difference to the outcome of the game? Uh, no, I don't think so whatsoever. The first shot on target was after 80 minutes yesterday for for County. Uh, that was Paddy Madden who should have scored in, in all fairness. Um, but the fact remains, they're not creating chances and they've scored two goals in five games. Now, I think another reason for some of the fans' discontent is that it's there's new players coming in all the time. Another two were signed yesterday, Zeke Friars, 
who's got you know extensive um, experience in the Premier League, no less, and um, a German striker, uh, Dunval Torum, who who's come over from uh, Scunthorpe on loan. So it seems that it seems to be a sticking plaster every time there's a problem. And you know, for me and and a lot of the fans, it's it's no surprise when those guys aren't um, sort of gelling as a team uh, at the moment. And um, yeah, it's, it's looking difficult to see where the, where the next goal is coming from. So it's not great. And I think Simon Ruff pretty much um, acknowledged in his, his post-match interview at, at the end of the game. Um, but I think um, it's going to need a thumping. They're going to need to click one day, get a thumping, get that motivation up um, because there doesn't seem to be much confidence at the minute. Chris, this is fascinating. We cover this league every season. And in recent seasons, we've had these examples of sides with big budget, lots of expectation, not delivering. And uh, someone I feel for, someone who's been at two of them now, is Ryan Crowsdale. Um, He will have experienced this at Fylde. Now, there is a big difference. Of course, Stockport are a much bigger club than Fylde. But in terms of the squad assembled, the budget... um, it was big and there was expectation on file every week they went out. And I think that expectation is going to be there at County. We know that individually they have the players. They have some incredible talents. So are they not gelling? Is it the tactics or do you think they're playing with fear and pressure? I think it's all of the above actually, Rob. I think that, um, Playing three at the back, uh, three centre backs, and and I think one of the only rare hopes at the minute, and the main method of of trying to produce a goal is through Macaulay Southern Hales at the minute, who seems to be one of the players who is who is standing out. But that seems to to be um, one of the only outlets at at, at the moment um, to produce those goals. And and you've got to say. With the budget you've got, you've been unlucky with Quigley getting injured. Uh, you know, sort of ten minutes into his debut, because I think he would he would make a big difference to the side. Alex Reed is not a target man. Um, I wouldn't say Paddy Paddy Madden is either. They're playing um, up front at the minute, and um, it's just not working. It's just not. It's not working. It's not gelling, and so. And consequently, the crowd are getting on the players' back a little bit when they're doing a bit of sideways passing around the back. And and I'll be honest, Ryan Crowsdale's coming in for a bit of stick, but it's not his fault. It's the position that he's playing. He's often he wasn't yesterday playing alongside Will Collar in a as, a, as sort of the, the two defensive midfielders. But um, I, I think I think it's all of the above. I think the, the formation he's looking at. There's a lot of players who are out of form at the moment. And um, I think it's the you know there's a it's a different team every match as well. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see um, how they bounce back from this. Yeah, you've summed it up uh, quite well there, Chris. I mean, of course, Jim Gannon was got rid of. He's he's at the club I'm at now, and uh, I know on the social media there's a lot of comments asking him to come back. It's one of those cases, I think, and having spoken to Jim as well, it's almost like look, they've they've got to get over him and move on. But Mark Stott's man was Simon Rusk, so he's kind of what does he do now, Chris? Does he stick with him a bit more, or because they keep bringing in players, and sometimes when you keep spending, you can like get too many players, and like you say, it is it can be really disjointed. So does he stick with Simon Rusk, or does he make a change now, get the fans going again, and, and bring in somebody who is experienced, maybe? 
Well, my view is that, you, you, that if you look at um, if you look at these sort of situations in the past, how many times does changing managers every ten minutes work? Um, I don't think it does. I think um, Simon Russ was do, do, definitely doing something right last season. Again, he said he mentioned that in his post-match uh, interview. Some some things that were working last season aren't working this season. Look, at the end of the day, we're five games into a forty-odd game season. I don't think a knee-jerk reaction is is the way to go at the minute. I think that you know hard work, knuckling down, and you know figuring out the problems um, is is what's uh, is what's going to work because. I don't think getting a new man in is is, is going to help anything. To be honest, I think the the staff, the coaching staff, the the large team that they've got will be working to do that and trying to find out what's going on. Because let's face it, they're going to be hurting just as much as anyone else. Um, they had the, the the funds for this project and it's not working out. So no, I don't advocate changing. But I certainly, do advocate. I think looking at what's going on and um, and probably making significant changes to formations and, uh, and and just method of play, really. And just to add something there, I've got 100% support, Chris, on that. I think that was almost a talk sport-esque question from you there, Luke. The guy went 16, <laughs> 17 games unbeaten towards the end of last season. So he's shown quickly enough that he knows what he's doing. Um has he has he has he overdone it in the summer? Has he brought in too many new faces? Has he trying too many new things? Because somehow or other, he needs to look back at those videos of last season where they had the balance. You remember how it started? There was there was it was Stockport nil for a while, wasn't it? And it was quite frustrating. The fans didn't like it, um, and then they started to find the net a little bit and still keep the clean sheets. And they got more clean sheets than any other team in the league. But this season, it starts again. And it's one win in five and 16th place, which frankly is embarrassing right now for Stockport County with the riches that they've assembled. So I agree with you, Chris. He absolutely has to be given time. But I am personally surprised that more players are coming in at this stage. That seems really odd to me. I, I mean, I only asked the question because obviously, like Chris said, there's a lot of fan discontent. And sometimes I know you can think we've got to keep the fans on side. And that's when they pull the trigger. You are right, Luke. It does happen in time, at times in football. I just don't see with the, the size of this project and the start that Rusk made going 17 games unbeaten them, you know, last season. I, I, I don't think that realistically when the board meet on Monday or whatever, they're going to be talking about whether he should keep his job or not. And yeah, the fans can clamour for it. But I think equally the fans have got to remind themselves that they were a National League North side just two or three seasons ago. Um, and they, they're not stupid either. They know that, that there's some very, very good players in their squad, including, you know, the best player in the National League over the last two or three seasons and, you know, uh, strikers who've done it at a higher level um, and um, very, very good defenders. You feel for Ash Palmer. I know you said you didn't think it particularly affected the outcome yesterday, but that's a guy who gives 100% every time he's on the pitch for Stockport and he's dug up deep and come up with you know, um, key goals in games in the past when that spirit at Stockport was undeniable. Um, and I think I'm right in saying that, Chris, that, you know, despite everything that guy's given, he doesn't always get in the team these days. No, he was left out the, the first match. Um, he performed, he was, well, for me, he was man of the match against South Underway in, 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 in the next game. And he's sort of, he's sort of been in after that. And 
I think yesterday, yeah, again, he, he, he gives everything. I think it was difficult to see from the press box uh, about the about the sending off because it was one of them where he was behind the striker in the penalty area. So you can only see Ash Palmer's number and you knew there was someone in front. And he, I think it was probably a clumsy a clumsy challenge um, that, that led to the penalty on the sending off. The double jeopardy thing. The next three points is going to be a big one. Yeah, we're going to look at another team who've been tipped to be... F- a lot of there's a lot of hype around and tip to be successful this season in Wrexham in a minute. But let's talk about the team in the last playoff spot. FC Halifax, a really good win for them over Southend. Phil Brown made some in- interesting comments at the end of that game, which we'll get onto in a minute. But Halifax again, Pete Wilde doing a really good job, and he bounced back from that defeat at Yeovil last week, and it was a comprehensive three-one win in the end. The right result at the right time for Wilde after. Uh... Things not really going Halifax's way in recent weeks and uh, his own sending off. Um, I think he knew he's assembled a decent squad. I think he's expected personally a little bit more in terms of the results. But that's a great one. And I, I'm going to be honest, um, I do. I've, I mentioned this a few times, I do a prediction uh, thing, uh, you know, with with a good friend. And when I looked at the fixtures yesterday, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't do very well with the predictions. But the one I did get right, I saw... I saw an upset here, if you like. I saw Southend going up to Halifax and, and getting beaten, uh, and, and they did. Um, tell us a little bit more about what Phil Brown said, Luke, because I should be watching Southend up close and personal on Tuesday night at Roots Hall when the shots go. Uh, he basically said it's not down to personnel, it's down to character. Um, and he said, has he got the right characters in the dressing room? Does some care? He said, I might have to get rid of a couple so uh, he said, and we, we play all the shot on Tuesday and we've got of the right character, otherwise they'll beat us. Yeah, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll come on to Aldershot in a bit, but um, from Southend point of view and Phil Brown's point of view, that's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a worrying result. They've had a decent enough start, haven't they, to the league? But uh, let's see if uh, that, that criticism from the boss stings them into action against the shots on Tuesday night. And it's a sort of result as well, you know, that... It's um, do you know when these teams come down? It's a sort of result that you know five games in are like. Do you know what we are in a battle here? It's not going to be too easy, is it? You know you go to somewhere like Halifax. It have been the next league club in the past, but the home form hasn't been great uh, in the past as well. They've rectified that Halifax, but South End fans, there's a lot of expectation, and I saw a lot of comments on Twitter as well saying a lot saying, do you know what we need this league to be hard, but then others going, look, this isn't good enough, blah blah blah. So again, another team, another club who's in. Not turmoil as such, but there's a lot of fan unrest there. There was fan unrest before I was a chairman at the end of last season as well. And results like this aren't going to help, are they? No, they're not. And um, But they've got to be a little bit patient. I mean, Southend haven't been that mug team that's come down, big club from the division above, underestimated it and, 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 and got beaten off the park every week. Um, they've started quite steadily. The defeat yesterday would have hurt the manner of it, the scoreline. Um, and, and truthfully... Um, I think Phil Brown would be delighted that he's got a home game against a side that's got no points on Tuesday night to try and put things right. Just, yeah, you say, uh, all, all I know about this game, guys, is what I've just seen on the flash score up. There were seven yellow cards for Southend yesterday, <laughs> just as, a, as an aside, which is, seems absolutely crazy. Chris, I'm not sure about this, but it seems to me, certainly from what I've witnessed particularly as one or two little new rules or clampdowns come in. At the start of the season, you do get this a little bit. I've, 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 I think it was Borenwood against Aldershot. I didn't think it was a particularly dirty game. There was four cards either side. And um, 
last week, Aldershot had a referee that had shown 16 yellows in his first two games. Um, so it, I think it settles down. I look at the referee's stats over the course of a season, you know, sort of, sort of, 12, 13 games last year, averaged three yellow cards a game and one red. And you look at that and you know certain things, don't you? You know that he's, he's an unfussy referee. He doesn't want to necessarily be stamping his control all over it. He wants to let it flow. And then there are others that um, just can't get the cards out quick enough. And uh, that level of inconsistency always frustrates, whilst I do appreciate that it's a very difficult job. Gentlemen, I may be able to help you out on that. I mean, of course, some refs have the beady eyes of the assessors in the back of the head, but... I know referee, you referees down at sort of step five, six, step six level. And they say that this is kind of, you know, when the player used to get a first warning, well, that's kind of gone out the window now. It's like the referee, if the referee thinks it's a yellow card offence, it's a yellow card offence. Hence why you may be seeing a lot more bookings earlier on and maybe seeing a lot more bookings in general. Yeah, I mean, just while we're on this subject, it doesn't matter about the game I was at, but um, there was a booking yesterday for a member of the management team um, in which it wasn't the manager or the assistant manager. And the booking was for asking the fourth official a question. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. But apparently now, and it has been communicated to the manager, the fourth official will only talk to the manager or assistant manager, nobody else, no substitutes, no other members of the management team. And there was no warning there. The simple way to deal with that is, I'm sorry, but I can't talk to you. I can only talk to the manager and the assistant manager, but no, straight out, called the ref over, yellow card. Yeah, pretty, it's pretty bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Wrexham then, eighth position with the uh, expectation on there. I know they're still putting a squad together a little bit. Will they be a little bit disappointed that they're not up with Bournemouth and Dagenham at the top? I know they're only out of the playoff places on goal difference, but... I don't know. What do you think the feeling of be at Wrexham at the minute? Um, I think they're doing okay actually, uh, considering they've, um, you know, they've got a they've got a new guard there. They've got a, a lot of changes behind the scenes, and I'd say it was a it's an okay start to the season. Um, I think the it's about a launch pad, isn't it? At this stage, if you're there or thereabouts after ten games. You know, that's fine. Maybe the fans had expectations that they were going to win every single game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, fans do. I always think they should should win every single game. And um, that, like, let's not lay it around the bush. That's a, that's a solid win yesterday, a 1 0. Some 100%. managers think 1 0 is more than 6 0. Yeah, there's two ways of looking at it. From Wrexham's point of view, uh, from Parkinson's point of view, it's a win. It's a clean sheet. It's three points on the board. It's only really, um, and I don't think it's so much pressure and expectation at Wrexham. It's different. It's different there. It's excitement. Excitement that the new owners have come in, that the first thing they did was invested in the infrastructure and the ground. And then bit by bit, I like, I like what, I like the way that Wrexham have gone about it. They've got that two million pound investment, but they're not throwing it here, there and everywhere. They've been patient. They've picked their targets, five of them really key that stand out for me, right through the spine of the team that they bought in from a higher level. And they'll take every one nil going. Uh, I tell you, just to just to be in the to stay in it and to be be there at the business end of the season. The only um the the only slight disappointment would just be probably, you know, an absolute sellout yesterday at Wrexham. Every last seat that was available sold. Not at full capacity, obviously, because the work being done on one of the stands. But yeah, I think it's that excitement that creates well, home to Woking. 
you know, um, they were part-time last year. They're only just adjusting to full-time. This could be three or four. Um, but those that really know their football will have gone home very content yesterday. 1-0, thank you very much. Three points clean sheet. On to the next. So we've only got about six minutes left of this call. So Rob, I'll move on to Solihull Aldershot now. So we'll, yeah. look at, we'll look at other games now in the division. And a game you were at, Aldershot against Solihull Moors, Rob. And I know you had a busy day catching up with various people from both sides, uh, mainly on the Solihull side. Yeah, I, 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 I was thinking about it yesterday. I was there nice and early and I was thinking that perhaps... You know, we've been in the in, in the league for a few seasons now. Perhaps we haven't really given Solihull Moors the the level of coverage that uh, that we might have done, and it was a good opportunity and uh, a really nice, engaging chap there. The media manager Luke Turner, um, and uh, I caught up with him for a little chat on all things Solihull before the game. Luke, good to see you again. Um, let's talk Solihull Moors. Uh, change of management over the summer. Um, obviously the usual players coming and going as well. How's the season started off for you? In a nutshell, it's probably not gone as quite as well as we expected. Uh, yet to win, two draws to open with, and then last week a 4-3 defeat to Weymouth, which I think perhaps wasn't ideal. Um, went 4-1 down early in the second half, but the lads showed a lot of spirit and kept going and almost clawed it back in the end. Um, so, you know, this afternoon we're hoping to, to get three points. You yourself would know and be familiar with a lot of the players. A lot of the players would be familiar with each other, but a new manager does come in and you've had, a, obviously, a holding job, a temporary man, uh, manager uh, towards the back end of last season as well. So it does take time, doesn't it, for, for them to pick up the ideas and the ways of the new manager? Absolutely, yeah. Last season, Mark Yates came in second half of the, the campaign and, you know, I think Speaks itself did a really good job and perhaps put himself in the ring for, to, to get the job permanently. Um, but the board have gone with, with Neil Ardley and he's a you know, top-class manager. A uh, lot of pedigree at Wimbledon and more recently Notts County. Um, so I think as a whole package, I look at Neil Ardley and think you know, this is a manager that can take us forward and hopefully uh, into the Football League. Five or six goals you have scored already, so that's one department that's going well. Tell us about the two players who've scored all those goals between them. Yeah, I think the first one, the first name to mention is Joe Sabara. Uh, still a young lad, but so much quality that he possesses. Young diminutive figure um, but you know the quality he's got on the ball the way he can move with his feet uh, and obviously he's got an eye for goal as well so he's got four already this season um, and then Andrew Dallas signed him permanently in the summer from Cambridge United is sort of took to the, the club like a duck to water really um, looks a real threat in behind with his pace and also you know getting two goals uh, already shows that you know he's, 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 he's a fox in the box as such and hopefully he can get at least double figures for the club. And uh, I don't know whether you'd have picked it up on part of your research, but he did score two goals here for Weymouth last season against Aldershot. Really leads the line well and must be lovely to bring in a player that's already proven himself in the current time at this level. Yeah, that bodes well, doesn't it? I know he got 12 in, I think it was 24, 25 games at uh, Weymouth at the end of last season. Um, so he's, he's proven himself to be a force to be reckoned with in, in this division. And it's always difficult to find your feet sometimes when you, you first come into the National League it is a tough league to come into but for him to you know hit hit the ground when you're straight away um, with Weymouth and then continue that with, with the Moors uh, I think we've, we've got ourselves a really good sign in there Final question Luke uh, Solihull Moors been in this division for a number of years now perhaps in some people's eyes still there's that perception of relatively small club but there has been some quite heavy investment uh, around the ground and uh, in the infrastructure and the, the playing squad as well. 
how, how does Solihull Moors see it and what are the expectations would you say for this season? I think you're spot on there. There are different perceptions from outside the club. Um, from inside the club, I would 100% say that we're a club now that likes to think, not size-wise, but in terms of facilities, infrastructure, player budget and the quality of players and the, the coaching staff we've got now, we are up there with the likes of Notts County, Chesterfield, the teams that have come down from League 2 more recently. Um, and we think we should be up there challenging. Uh, the difference is from the outside looking in, people probably still think, Little old Solly or Moors, but I would say, um, you know, it's, it's good being an under, underdog sometimes. So we might be, what, 10th, 11th favourites for the league title, for example. So to go under the radar, I don't think that bothers bothers us really. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, it's boding well. But in terms of games recently between Aldershot and Solihull Moors, um, all the points went Moors' way last season, but Aldershot got the better of. I think what you'd probably agree was the best game of the three, the 3-2 three uh, game here at the EBB in the FA Trophy. Yep, I've had a look at the, the last five results in the league and it's all gone in the Moors' direction, so that bodes well for, for today's game. Um, I'd like to think we can get our first three points of the afternoon and I know all the shot are looking for the same. Uh, so it should be a close game with uh, both teams going for it, but hopefully we can edge it with the away win. Yeah, and onto the game itself, Rob, another defeat for Aldershot. But again, it sounded like an encouraging performance. It's a similar story. It was a very encouraging performance in many ways. Um, I think on my notepad, I had 11 or 12 chances yesterday created by Aldershot, by far the most that they have. They were 1-0 up. and uh, But it's the old problems, unfortunately. They conceded on 45th minute and then the 88th minute. And those two goals conceded late in each half. It's cost them the opportunity for... For, for something, you know, uh, for long periods in that second half, it was one all. It looked, if I'm honest, that it would probably stay one all. Um, but just uh, a moment at the end, Giles Phillips clearing his lines, smashes the ball forward, comes back off the back of Toby Edsa. Um, and Andrew Dallas um, powers in on goal. He's just about to shoot, gets a shove in the back, manages to square it to Joe Sabara. And Sabara diminutive but lethal this season joint top scorer I think he is in the National League barely seen him really in the game for 89-90 minutes and then bang and uh, when players have got that kind of habit I guess you've got to seek them out afterwards and have a word with them I've been joined by Solly Holmore's winning goal scorer Joe Sabara and uh Five, I think, now for the season, Joe. Yeah. It's going well for you individually, but more importantly for Solihull Moors, that first win you got across the line late on. Yeah, yeah, I think we've come here and probably played the worst we have all season and got the three points, but I think it was just about the result, to be honest. I think we would have took a, a, a game like that and getting the three points. But yeah, it's a, it's a good feeling to have the finally have the first three points this season. Just clear something up for us with the goal. Obviously, Aldershot attempted the clearance. It cannoned off the back of Edsa, I think, straight into the path of Dallas, who was mowing down on goal. And just as he was shoved in the back, and it probably would have given a penalty, he squared it to you. Oh, I was screaming. <laughs> I screamed as loud as I could for him to uh, square it. But um, I had one exactly the same last year that I squared, so it's nice that it uh, worked back round to me. But no, it's, he's, uh, he's done well, Dallas, to be fair to... to um, when he's in in on goal to be a, have the awareness to square it and I think it's just a, I think the whole team were relieved that it uh, ended up in a goal Now for our podcast listeners getting to know Joe Sabara a name you'll have been hearing increasingly with uh, Solihull Moors lately I did a bit of digging around earlier and I hope you won't mind me pointing this out but I've got one goal in 49 at Burton 
Yeah. Uh, and now you're something like 11 in 38 at Solihull. That's a bit of a better ratio, isn't it? What's yeah. happened? Yeah, I think, um, obviously, I think at Burton I had a sort of a different role. I think it was more um, coming off the bench, but I've wanted to add more uh, goals to my game. And I think the way we're playing, I think it's finally starting to work. And uh, I finally got my shooting boots on. I won't be getting rid of these boots for, <laughs> for a long time. But no, it's uh, it's nice to chip in with a few goals. I think, I'm, I, think I had six league goals last year and I'm on five now, so... Hopefully I can um, get my targets. It's interesting what you're saying about you, you don't think your team played that well, you didn't think it was coming, but you got it. And the important thing is you got more goals in one end than the other, and that's what wins points in football matches. Um, I, I, I don't know if what, what, what's the gaffer had to say, because I know he had some very consoling words for Danny Searle, saying, look, we probably didn't deserve that today. Oh, well, yeah, I think, I think um, what our gaffer would have said is what a lot of the... The gaffers would have spoke to us over the last three day, uh, three games. Sorry, um, I think we've come here probably a draw. I don't think many people would have argued with a draw to be honest. Um, but now we've got the three points. I think that's what it's all about. I think the gaffer said when he first come in, you'll play well, you'll play like medium well, and then you'll play badly. And it's about picking up the points when you play badly and not not so well. And uh, I think we've shown a different side to us today, grinding out the result and and just staying in it. We could, a lot of teams. Especially the way they play, they're just getting balls into the box. And um, I think we just stuck at it and then the chance come at the end and then we uh, took it. Yeah, that was Joseph Barr. And I've noticed week by week, he is getting closer and closer to the goal because he scored two screamers against Wrexham and then the last couple have been, have been tappings are a lot closer to the goal. But yeah, great start for him. And having seen Solihull Rob, um, do you think they're dark horses potentially? They've had, they're in mid-table at the minute, a solid start from them. Yeah, no, if I'm honest, um, look, they, look, Neil Ardley was honest, let's put it that way. And he put his arm around Danny Searle at the end. And I know it's that gallant losers thing that you just don't want to be. But um, he, he admitted Solihull probably, they didn't really probably deserve to win that game yesterday. But they did, they got it done. And that's a nice habit. He'll be pleased with that. It's shoe on the other foot for, for Ardley and Solihull in, in, in recent weeks. Um, good luck to them. No, I don't think they'll contend at the top end. I think they'll be solid. Uh, mid-table but for players like Joe Barra, he really is you know he's so diminutive and uh, you know when you and, and, and I'm saying this if you like on behalf of people like Joe Barra, when you are that diminutive in a league where people want athletes physical big physical specimens six foot two whatever you've got to be good you've got to be very good and he was a pest yesterday he just didn't get much in the way of clear-cut chances um, but when he got one he took it um, and, and that's all you want. Rob, in terms of Aldershot quickly, and do you think, you know, you said you conceded on half-time of 45 minutes and then 88 minutes. Do you think it's a concentration, a mental thing with them? Well, I asked Danny Searle that after the game, and he said it is, he, he believes it is that. It's really getting infuriating now. Um, he's right when he says that for, for sort of three and a half, four out of the performances this season, Aldershot have been at the level. They've been competitive. They've looked like they're, going to get something they look like they deserve something but they still haven't yesterday was particularly hard to take because it's the best they've played um but I, you know who knows they they might just go to roots hall not play very well on tuesday night and come back with the points that's why we love football yeah final two games then wheelstone won olgingham nil olgingham down to 10 there was 13 minutes of stoppage time in that. There was a nasty-looking injury to Conor Kirby in that game. In the eighth minute of stoppage time, Olgingham had Brad Jackson sent off. Looked a harsh 
red card uh, to me. It probably looked like it should have been just a, a yellow card. Then in the 10th the minute of stoppage time, Matty Kozlow was a judge of handball. Again, looked harsh when he showed the replay. And upstep Medi Alito in the 11th minute of stoppage time to give Wheelstone all three points. And then Barnett drew with Eastley. Neither side will be happy with that result at all. We're going to move on now and look at the National League South. Joining us now to look at the National League South it is Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And we're going to look at the top of the table. Darford, they took on Tombridge Angels in what looked like a home banker. But as you know from Hampton playing Tombridge last week, it's not an easy game and so it proved for Darford. Yeah, they're, they're a very physical side, um, Tombridge. Not to say that, you know, they're a dirty side or they're not a good side, but they are strong. Um, the likes of Joe Turner in midfield, uh, Tom Beard, they absolutely give you a match. And, uh, and some of their players, they know Dartford as well. Um, you know, Tunbridge have, have actually recruited from Dartmouth, uh, Dartford to a degree this uh, this summer and last year. Uh, they've signed Ricky Modest, who obviously we all know very well, Craig Brian Barrett. Um, and so those, those guys know how uh, Steve King plays. And also Steve McKim absolutely knows how to set his team up to get a point. Um, Tommy Wood got a goal, that's his first of the season, and Jack Jeb um, got the equaliser for Dartford. But, you know, that's the first time Dartford dropped points this season. They still uh, are sitting pretty on the top of the table. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it's not ideal to drop points at home, but Steve King will be very, very pleased with how their season started. Yeah, Maidstone were left frustrated as well. They drew 2-2 at home to Concord, who were, who were going very, very well. However, at home, they would have expected to have won that. Two red cards in that game as well. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, I think we've got to start with um, reports coming out of the Concord camp that their young goalkeeper, Miles Roberts, who's on loan from um, Watford, received racist abuse from some of the home fans uh, during the game as well. Um, obviously, that's something which nobody wants to see at the game. Um, and, it, you know, it's so, uh, it's so much in the news at the moment as well. Um, and it's just obviously not acceptable at all. Um, but yeah, so Roberts himself did actually receive a red card in that match, but the goals came from Joanne Luque. He's a really good signing uh, for Maidstone. And Sam Corn, whilst Danny Green and uh, Lamar Reynolds got the goals for Concord. Um, obviously, I was out in Concord a few weeks ago with the Beavers and uh, their management team will say that avoiding relegation is the aim this season. But, um, you know, there's obviously only one side going down. So I think that's maybe a touch unambitious. Um, they've got a good squad. I think they should certainly be looking towards mid-table and upwards. And uh, I, I know if you speak to the players, some of them will will sort of say quietly that the playoffs is realistic. Yeah, it's got a touch of the Hungerfords from last season, hasn't it, Tom, where... Nobody expected him to be up there, but they kept churning out results every week. Yeah, they have. And um, and they played good sides as well. You know, Maid, Maidstone themselves are no slouches at all. Um, I saw them close up last week. Again, they're a very physical side. Uh, they've got some real quality. Having brought in the likes of Jermaine McGlashan and, you know, Alfie Pavey, Joe and Luke up front. Um, they've got a very strong side at Maidstone. So to take that point is impressive. The only games they've lost this season were against Bath and Ebbsfleet, who, again, both good sides. You mentioned Hungerford. They took all three points against them. Yeah, Oxford City have quietly moved up into fourth position. Really good win for them away at fifth place, having it in Waterlooville. They were 2 up at half-time through Harvey Bradbury and Joe Iacofino before former Oxford City player Joe Osler got a goal back. But that's a really big result for David Oldfield's men, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think they'll be really pleased with that because obviously 
again, talking about recruiting from clubs, Paul Doswell recruited two very good players from Oxford in the summer. He took Joe Oisler um, and James Roberts as well. Um, you know, the rumour mill suggested that they were after Harvey Bradbury as well, but he elected to remain at Oxford. Um, and then going the other direction was the, you know, who turned out to be the match winner, Iacofanio. Um, Iacofanio got so many goals in his last season at Oxford um, two years ago, but didn't really seem to settle at uh, Haven and Waterloo. So it'll be really, you know, he'll be buzzing that he managed to get that crucial goal at Haven. And yeah, that's a really good three points for Oxford. Um which sees them up to fourth in the table. Um, they're, they're, they're a good side. Um, I don't think you'd expect to see them, you know, too far, too far short of that. Yeah, massive win that for Bath. He had three defeats on the spin up until the weekend, but they went and won three, one away at Braintree. Yeah, they did. And, I, you know, I've said it on this podcast before, but we're used to seeing Bath as such a defensively resolute side. You don't really give away many goals, um, but also don't score many. And what we're seeing this season is the absolute reverse of that. Um, you know, they've brought in Elliot Freer. They've got Alex Fletcher last season, Cody Cook. Between Cody Cook and Alex Fletcher, that's eight goals for them. Um, so they've scored more than, you know, just those two have scored more than nearly half the teams in the league. Um, 3-1 away at Braintree, who've not started the season badly at all. Um, one win and three draws up to today. They were unbeaten coming into this fixture. So um, Bath City needed that, I think. Um, they've had a difficult run of results. Um you know, they haven't actually won since the 21st of August. So, yeah, that's an important win for Bath um, and they'll be pleased to go back to uh, the West Country with those points. So in the last yeah, playoff spot, it is Hampton and Richmond Borough gained their first win since the opening day of the season. There's been a few draws chucked in there, Tom, but what a good win it was against Ebsfleet, who, who were highly fancied this season. Yeah, it was. And, and yeah, you know, Ebsfleet were probably, in my opinion, the best footballing side I saw last season they play play really slickly through the middle with Ben Chapman and Jack Paxman they've got a really good footballing side but um, Hampton's pressing game just completely unsettled them yesterday they found it so difficult to get the ball out from the back um, I've got a, he didn't score but Jake Gray um, was absolutely unbelievable he's you know he's a very good midfielder at this level anyway but on his day he is almost unplayable and it was very much his day yesterday um, he, yeah, really the catalyst for everything good that was going through Hampton. Um, I've got to mention as well, Kyron Farrell scored another absolute worldie. Um, I think one thing the National League, which you've been doing is quite nice, is they've been tweeting and posting on social media some of the better goals from step two this season, which I don't think we've really done before. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if Kyron Farrell's uh, free kick gets on for that. And Jerome Slew scored as well. He got his fourth of the season. Um, and interestingly, Obviously, I know you've mentioned that Jordan Slew scored for Halifax. Both Slew brothers scored on exactly 39 minutes um, in games at different ends of the country. So, a nice little... Uh... That's it. That, that'd be great when they're texting each other going, yeah, did you score? Yeah, what minute on 39th? That'd be like, that's spooky, that, isn't it? It's almost yeah. like they knew. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just clearly something about brothers. They're very interconnected. Uh, but, he, you know, he settled really well. And also, I've got to say... Credit to uh, the Hampton management team as well. They're going through such an injury crisis at the moment. I think there's seven first-team players out, uh, plus one suspended. Um, so they brought in three low knees this week. Uh, ben Schroll from Aldershot, um, Zach Dronfield from Wheelstone, and Charles Hayden from Sheffield Wednesday. And they all slotted in fantastically yesterday. So really important three points for Hampton. 
uh, which brings them up to seventh. And after the great win for Hampton and Richmond Borough, Tom caught up with the Hampton and Richmond Borough goalkeeper, Alan Julian. I'm joined by Hampton and Richmond goalkeeper, Alan Julian, uh, fresh off the back of a pretty impressive clean sheet and 3-0 win against a good Ebbsfleet side. Um, Jules, Hampton haven't won in uh, four games now. How important was it to get that three points today? Yeah, it was really important, to be fair. Like, um, I felt we got a positive result against Maidstone. Um, listen, what happened to Tunbridge was, it hurt. It hurt all of us, you know. And uh, we, we sort of addressed a few things in training this week. And um, today was an absolute pleasure to play behind the boys. It was, it, honestly, a 3-0 up with a minute to go. They're flying, charging down the goalkeeper. I have to give Jake, well, shouldn't single people out after that, really. But I thought Jake Gray was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Um, and, you know... It's three games unbeaten now, a win and, and two draws, and it, it looks a little bit rosy going forwards now. So, got to, got to stay on top of it, got to make sure our standards don't drop now, and hopefully we can creep up the table. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's no secret that Hampton have had a few injuries of late. Um, three new players all coming on loan this week. How did you think they settled in? Absolutely outstanding for, for, for the ages they are. Um, I think it is a an easy group to come into. When I found that last year, when I come, and I know I'm a little bit older than them, and I've been in a lot of dressing rooms, but. Um, I think it's a really welcoming group. I think the boys make a real effort to, to, to help them feel at home straight away. And I thought they were outstanding today, Tom. I really do, um, from start to finish, all the way through. So, big pat on the back to them, boys. And it's, it's an interesting league this year. We've seen some really good teams already, the likes of Ebbsfleet, Havant, Maidstone. Um, do you think it's going to be tight at the top and that, uh, you know, important wins like this are going to count? Yes, I do. Um, I mean, you know, I think I, I don't know how Dartford got on today, but they've won every game up, up to the here. But I just feel, you know, it's a tough league. It is a tough league, and there's a long, long way to go. Um, anyone can beat anyone on their on their day. So, but we just got to worry about us. You know, we got to focus on what we got to do, and we go again next week FA Cup, and after that, it's focus on the next game, and hopefully, hopefully, like I say, we can creep up the table and see where we find ourselves. Yeah, missed opportunity for Chippenham. They lost 3-2 at home to Chelmsford. Two goals to Charlie Sheringham and one for Simeon Jackson. Joe Hanks with a goal on injury time in the first half and then uh, a goal for Harry Warwick in stoppage time. A missed opportunity, though, for Chippenham there, they'll feel. Yeah, it is. Um, but I think Ch- Ch- uh, Chelmsford have been sort of pleasantly surprising of late. Um, I didn't really look at them and think they'd, they'd trouble too many of the better sides in this league. But in the last few weeks, they've beaten Bath, they've drawn with Ebsfleet and Dorking, and Chippenham's a difficult place to go and get three points. Um, but Charlie Sheringham has been, just been such a good signing for them this season. Um, they didn't really manage to get, you know, a huge amount of goals from any of their players last season. They had they they tried four or five different centre forwards, um, but Charlie Sheringham's come in uh, this time around, and he's got four already for the campaign, making him joint top, joint third top scorer in the league. Um, and he obviously got a double yesterday as well, yeah, a five-minute dub brace. Uh, and then Simeon Jackson got the uh, the third, which turned out to be crucial. Yeah, Darkin got back to winning ways. They've had a, a difficult start to the season, but they got the job done within the first 20 minutes, didn't they, on Saturday? They have, yeah. Um, it's. I think, I think the injury to Wes Fogden is such a big one for them. He's such a crucial part of how they play and he is one of the best players in this division. Um, and to lose him for an entire season is really damaging to, to Dorking. But, you know, to quote a line from um, Friday Night Lights, the loss of one player cannot mean the loss of their season. And with the, you know, the, the expectations around Dorking, they needed to start getting wins. Um, and James McShane and, and Nicky Wheeler, as you say, did the business early doors. 
Um, you'd expect them to take three points from Billericay Town, who are 20th, you know, they're 20th in the form table and 20th in the actual table, as it happens as well. Um, so it was a, a kind fixture for Dorking to, to pick up that three points, um, which is their first, uh, you know, their first win since a 3-2 against St Albans in the 21st of August. I tell you what, one man who's flying this season is Sean Jeffers. He scored nine goals in just four appearances for St Albans this season. He got a hat trick on Saturday as they won away at Slough. He's a uh, he's he's got dynamite in his boots at the minute, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, to to be averaging two point two five goals a game. Um, you know, there's I'm I'm told a certain Portuguese guy came back to the UK this week. Even he can't talk those sort of numbers. Um, it's Genuinely a very impressive start to the season for Sean Jeffers. Um, and again, St Albans, um, they had a great season last last season. They were one of the best teams in the league. They were so hard to beat. Um, and I expect exactly the same from them this year. Yeah, and the final game is, is Hemel Hempstead against Eastbourne Borough. That finished 2-2. A welcome point for Hemel, but they're down at the bottom. And a lot of people, it's looking like it might be between them and Welling for that final spot, mind it? Yeah, I mean, Welling were pretty fancy to be down at the bottom. I think they've had a lot of transition over the last couple of seasons. Um, Hemel's an interesting one. You know, the, the new management team of uh, Lee Burcham uh, or Lee Burcham's management team came in last season. They initially signed a lot of players from step three and step four um, who, you know, they then started to to replace throughout the season as they realised that maybe some of them weren't ready to make that step up. And at the back end of the last season, Hemel looked to be a pretty decent side. Um, you know, I remember they they beat Hampton three one, I think, and and they looked pretty good. But um, this time around, it's not not the same. And and as it is, we're you know into the middle of September, and they're still waiting for their first win. So we're going to look next at the National League North. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply. quick reply affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards if you use a mobile phone while driving you're four times more likely to crash think put your phone away and in the national league north because i've got i've got to start off with them it's charlie i think that's 13 goals in two home games they're uh, they can't stop scoring at a minute can they? they scored another four on saturdays to beat chester 4-1 yeah, it's not bad, that, is it? Like, I mean, considering the, the four games before that, they'd only scored um, one goal. All of a sudden, they've scored 13 in two. So uh, the floodgates have opened. And um, yeah, I mean, well, you've just got to ride that wave, haven't you? Four almost looks paltry compared to nine last week, though. Um, so they'll be looking to build on that. I think more importantly, though, for Jamie Vermiglio, that's three wins out of three now. Um, they'd only picked up one point in the first three games and uh, their season is up and running now at, at, at Victory Park. I'd have loved to see Jamie Vermiglio going afterwards and go, come on, lads, we need to be more prolific. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is ridiculous. This is half as many goals as we scored last week. <laughs> Filed and Brackley are tied at the top. Filed the top courtesy of goal difference. They got back to winning ways. A 2-0 win at Bradford Park Avenue and another good win for Brackley by a goal to nil. And both, both sides looking really good at the minute. Yeah, Alex Whitmore brace, which is, is an unusual occurrence for, for Filed. And um, 
Well, I think uh, everyone who follows non-league football will have seen what what's been going on in the in the week with with Fylde and the uh, crazy job adverts and uh, and things like that. I think that's been uh, been well covered now. Um, but I just wanted to highlight um, someone who scored six goals from this season has been excellent. Nick Horton, he's an elite player. I just can't believe he's, he's playing at National League North level um, still. Um, you know, six goals from midfield. He's not even a striker. Uh, and he, he's been good against Still, and um, yeah, filed a, a flying high at the, at the top of the division. And Brackley, well, look, they're always there, aren't they? They are always there or thereabouts. And are they going to go up soon? They're going to have to go up one season because I haven't done I haven't done the stats on this. But if you averaged out their league positions over the last seven or eight years, I bet it's something like second or third or something like that. They must have the highest average league position and still be in the division that they're in. But uh, yeah, good good stuff for them and, and no surprise to see them back up there again. Yeah, Brackley do fall under the bridesmaid bracket, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Team who, who a lot of people expected to struggle, including myself this season. I saw them a couple of times in pre-season, but they haven't. Occurs in Ashton, they went away at Gloucester, who, who slump continues after a bright start. But two goals for Adam Thomas in that game. Yeah, uh, a player that I know very well from from Stockport County, and who um, was fantastic in the in the National League North when when County were in there as well. So again, a, a, another elite player. I'll use that term again at that level, and um, you know the uh, Cunningham there is doing an absolutely fantastic job, isn't he? He's, He's the kind of guy. Well, you know him well as well from uh, from uh, the uh, what was the Evo Stick divisions, and uh, he's a guy who gives a lot to the fans. He's always on social media. He's you know he's, he helps out with, with community initiatives and, and things like that. And most importantly for the fans, he's he's got them um, he's got them going on on the pitch as well. And that's uh, another team we seem to be getting a lot of teams at the minute who who were okay in the first three games and have won three out of three. Uh, and that's exactly what Kers and Ashton have done. And uh, two of them coming away from home, that's three of their four wins away from home now as well. So uh, they're obviously set up well on the road. An interesting game down at Agbra, Kidderminster, who were the early pace setters. They lost their first game of the season as they lost 3-2 at home to Gateshead in what sounded a really entertaining game. Well, Lou, yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> It was brilliant, wasn't it? And um, you know, these two teams are teams that you would expect to be uh, to be up there at the end of the season. Um, two goals there from uh, Macaulay Langstaff as well for for Gateshead, and um, you know, three one up, and you know, Kidderminster gave themselves a shout towards the end of the game, but not quite there. And um, as you say, against the team that started really well, I think uh, I think Mike Williamson will now be looking for. For consistency from his team, because the record so far is draw, win, lose, draw, win, lose, lose, draw. You know, so it's it's that patchwork quilt that managers absolutely hate. Um, they'll be wanting to put uh, a little bit of a run of consistency with that real morale boosting win away at Kidderminster. I think um, it, that may be the catalyst. Big win for Spenny Morda with three 0 up at halftime. Glenn Taylor. Hadn't got on the score sheet at that point, but he uh, he made sure he did in the second half, didn't he, Chris? <laughs> yeah, he did. And uh, we know how deadly the man is, and he scored uh, he scored his hat trick in twenty four second half minutes. And 
you know, who needs 90 when you can score three in, in, in 24 minutes? He's a, he's a legend up there, isn't he? Um, North East football has a habit of producing legends, don't they? Legendary uh, strikers who play for ages. But I was just looking down the um, the other goal scorers. You've got Rob Ramshaw there and, and Jamie Chandler. And, and these are people that, you know, are very well known in, in, in northern football circles and they're still playing the trade and they're still... They're still knocking the goals in. It's a look. It's an absolutely brilliant win that for for Spennymore. I thought I did have a look at the uh, the Spennymore coverage and I saw some lovely pictures of him and his daughter having a kick around on on the pitch at the end when the fans were still there. And that's what non-league football is all about, isn't it? It's fantastic that those sort of things can um, can still happen. I mean. From Farsley's point of view, Adam Lakeland will have to sit down and look at this. I think um, looking at how they've been doing this season, they're around about mid-table. So I think he'll uh, he may look at this as a blip. What he will be concerned about is they've scored, they've um, conceded ten goals now in two games. So a bit the opposite of the of the Chorley effect that Adam Lakeland needs to sit down and uh, and address. Yeah, up at Geisler, the sheriff was in town. Decare sheriff, he scored the first goal. For Kettering and Callum Paolo, if you get a chance to look at the highlights last week of their game against Fylde, I'd suggest to check them out because he was absolutely brilliant. He ran Fylde ragged. He got the second goal. He could be someone else who, I know he's played at National League goal before he wrecks him, but it looks like he's working his way back up. And another good win for Kettering, another early surprise package. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kettering fans won't say they're a surprise package probably because... Um, they would like to think that they're, they're one of the uh, the bigger clubs in that division. I think it's um, from someone who's followed the National League North for a while. It's always good to see, um, you know, these teams getting back in in at this level. But uh, yeah, they've started really well, and their only defeat so far is against the aforementioned Gateshead away as well. So that's no no disgrace for them. Um, and they're they're going quite well, and I think again they're just maintaining this, like all teams as well. You've got six games. Most managers will tell you they only really look at, at how things are going after ten games, um, so they need to they need to keep that one rolling. Yeah, the final two games then there was a, an entertaining northeast derby put Blythe Blythe were two 0 up against Darlington, but a vital result for Alan Armstrong against his former club Andrew Nelson grabbing an equaliser there. Yeah, I can't you know I can't overestimate how uh, how big this game actually was up up in the northeast as well, obviously. Blythe going 2 0 up. Alan Armstrong will have, uh, will have looked for this fixture as soon as they came out and he'll put a great big star next to it. And um, with added spice, you know, Darlington's appalling start to the season. You know, it's the first point that they got yesterday against against Blythe and going 2 0 down, there have been a few a few worries. But I think uh, Rob mentioned it in the in the Premier Roundup with the point that Dover got at home to um to Chesterfield yesterday, I think this point for Darlington may be bigger than the actual point that, that it actually is because, uh, you know, coming from 2-0 down to get a point against local rivals um, or northeast rivals, Alan Armstrong's old club and, and you know, they'll be really looking to kick on from there now. Dickie went to see Leamington against Gateshead in the week. It was a good win for Leamington. He caught up with the Leamington manager, Paul Hollerin, after that game. Uh, full-time at... Uh... Leamington and I got a very pleased Leamington manager Paul Hollering with me. Paul, really important victory for you this evening. Yeah, probably on the back of the last two performances, um, which were sort of riddled with individual errors and, and poor decisions. So tonight against <laughs> would you play a tougher side than Gator than this division? I'm not sure. So it's a, you know, to to get the basics right individually and collectively, to defend our box better, um, to be better on the turnover. 
we, we put a plan in, a block in place, and uh, and it was a counter-attacking block. And the key thing then is that your front three are effective. And I thought Joe and Dan and Kelsey did really well with that. Stayed in the game when it got a bit tough for us, which was important. Because, um, you know, while you're still in the game, you've, uh, I, I thought possibly that we might have to change things to get back into it, maybe or take a gamble. But thankfully the quality from set players and the desire to go and win headers volleys in their box was enough to get us back in the game and eventually to win us the game how much of that you mentioned the errors there how much of that do you think is was some of that down to maybe the um, the disruption you had to start the season uh, with the Covid cases 100% because this is the first time we've had all 17 players there due to Covid and one or two other little things um, and you know and I was probably shocked with the spending more performance because I thought we've just shut down for 10 days and we've done a bit and and then you know you you know we've got players one or two as a COVID twice now and look a bit leggy like and you think it takes a while to get going on and I think there's an element of that in the in the first three performances but to be fair when you look at people like Joe Parker who only came back into the group last week training you know for him to put that performance in tonight and the journey he's been on is phenomenal really so now as much as I would be disappointed with some of our individual decisions and, and whatever. I never, very rarely, do I question the desire of the players or the, the willingness of the players. Um, but if you want to hang around in this league and you want to compete in this league, you've got to make good decisions with and without the ball. So um, tonight we did. And you know, when you think we beat Spennymore and Gate, said uh, you know, and, and we've we've had periods where we've had to really dig in. But in both games we've created chances, and in both games we've scored good goals. So um, so yeah. So listen, it was um, a real good night for us. You've not had much of a turnover of players in the summer, have you? You know mm. that you've kept pretty much yeah. largely to what you had last year, but you've had one or two additions. Yeah, I think to be fair, we we probably did quite a bit of work last year. In terms, we had a big turnaround last year, seven, I think, and we needed that. And I suppose, in some respects, playing twenty games last year, give them a bit of time to bed in, in terms of you know getting Weaver permanently, Dan Meredith, um, Carl Morrison. Um, Sam Osborne, <laughs> so Dan Turner. Yeah, so listen, there was a bit. So this year, you, you looked at it, and we you know we needed a little bit more. We certainly depth-wise, having Joe Parker back, obviously like a new player. Um, you know, bringing Devon Kelly Evans in, uh, Kelsey Mooney was a big one for us. I wanted to try and, you know, been trying so hard to find, um, and there's different roads you can get down, isn't there? And I'd rather go for them younger ones that uh, I can see something in them and. Um, and they want to come and play here for the right reasons. And, you know, we give them time then. You know, it's, uh, he needed that goal tonight, really. Probably needed that to, um, um, you know, just all number nines need that. But he's, he's worked tirelessly hard and uh, he's a young boy and uh, he'll be supported here. And hopefully we'll get him to fulfil his potential, hopefully. And you've still got your big figurehead in, in your captain, Jack Edwards. Mm. Yeah, he's right. I mean, listen, one or two people mentioned... Oh, you know, we sell players. I'd never stop in any young lads' way. And if, if we're fortunate enough that we pick up some young boys that do well here for whatever reason, um, I would never, ever, any, I've never have done and never will do, um, regardless sometimes when it might make things difficult for me. Um, but that doesn't mean we just, you know, we, we, you know, we've had to work hard to keep people like Jack Edwards and Simeon May and others. Um, and we've been able to do that because of doing well, you know, helping some young people along. So it, it's a balance, really, isn't it? And um, and that, that, you know, probably 
a, a number of things, but one of the reasons we've been able to comp- compete at this level is um, obviously that that kind of um, conveyor belt has, has helped us massively. And it's probably helped not only financially, it's helped us with one or two. We'd probably bring in Turner in and Calcium Ernie and have looked at it and thought, well, hang on, we, maybe, uh, maybe we can join it. Okay, congratulations for your performance this evening, Paul. Always a pleasure, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. And that was Paul Holleran, and it was a very good week for them as they continued their fine home form. They won 2-0 at home to Boston. A miserable day for Boston, who had Tom Platt sent off in injury time. And uh, Boston, not quite where they want to be at the minute. And Leamington, bloody noses as they normally are. Yeah, they underestimate Leamington at your peril. In fact, I don't think anyone underestimates Leamington anymore. Um, because you know they 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 give bloody noses all the way, and the teams that they're beating this season are you know our fa- fancy teams as well. Uh, Boston being one of them, Spennymore being one of them as well. So yeah, even it's no surprise that that, that they're up there. Paul Holland's doing his doing his work that he always does, you know, every season, and uh, you know I think they'll they'll be absolutely fine. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Boston on the other hand because the the sort of failing to uh, flattering to deceive I think I had them as one of my well almost nailed on for for uh, for a good promotion push this season it's not really clicking yet again you know I've got to emphasize that it's that it's early days but um it's one of those where there'll be a few little meetings going on at, at training and things like that to try and uh, put a finger on why it isn't going as well as they would have liked so far yeah, because you look at that squad, they've recruited really well, haven't they, Boston? But I don't know whether they've had, you know, with COVID and, and, and injuries and stuff, and it's just not quite got going for them yet, has it? No, I mean, not really, no. And like you say, you, you do look at the squad, and they've got people who've performed really well at higher levels. And in, in there, you've got Jake Wright in there, for example. Connor DeMeo is a player I've seen quite a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, not really, it's not really working so far, but, you know, early days, and when you've got a squad like that, you... You tend to see them coming through and begin to put runs together in the middle of the season, and um, you know I'm sure they'll be they'll be up there towards the end of the season. Brilliant. Well, that is it, um, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Cheers, Luke. And Pleasure Tom. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. And uh, Tom, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me again, guys. Uh, Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Pleasure as always, chaps. Have a great week. And thank you for all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time. Subscribe to us via all good podcasting platforms, and we're also on Instagram as well. It's NL Full Time on there. Until then, have a great week, and we'll see you all soon.